This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, and welcome to my Monday night show. I'm Hannah Wilson, and tonight on Teacher Talk Radio, we're going to be talking about springing into well-being. I'm spending my Easter holidays down with my sister in Cornwall, and we're going to be discussing the work-life balance, or our lack thereof it. How to prioritise your own mental health without guilt. Or can we? Feel free to message or call this in during the show. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. So, um, in light of the survey by the DOV that was leaked last week, um, it got me thinking about teacher well-being and workload. And it surveyed 11,000 people, um, and it said that a quarter of teachers are working over 12-hour days. And then this increases in senior leadership. Um, but it has gone down slightly, but it's still not sustainable, I believe. So in 2016, they cited that um, senior leaders generally work 60.5 hours a week. In 2019, it was 55.1 hours a week. And in 2022, it was 56.8 hours a week. But two in five leaders work more than 60 hour weeks. And I think that's the thing that we're just working huge amounts. So it's really important that we're taking care of ourselves and balancing it. One in five teachers work at least 60 hours a week. Um, and that's not leaders, just normal teachers. Um, and most is spent um, on tasks that aren't teaching. So more than half of it is actually sp- uh, spent on other tasks that's not teaching. So um, uh, we need to think about that and the fact that how do we balance our work-life balance and how do we say no and kind of prioritise things or get things done in a more timely fashion um, but also how do we cut out the bits that aren't necessary so seven in ten say that workload is unacceptable and I think that's very true across um, all schools it's not a specific area or a specific um, type of school that feels that or a type of teacher I think everyone feels it and it's important to think about that um, when we're teaching so we need to think about how I think firstly we reduce our workload I know for myself I have a very long to-do book I don't even have a to-do list it's too much that I have to have a to-do book and I kind of work my way through that but I will prioritise I'll circle them or colour code them into my things I definitely need to get done by a certain amount of time and then my next level and then things that are less important but I want to get done at some point and I think that's the thing with teachers is we're very dedicated and we always want to be improving and do what's best for the students and make it better but it's this never-ending 
kind of cycle that we never quite have enough time to do the things that we want to do the things that are the extra the cherries on the cake because we're so busy with working with everything else let me introduce my sister Vicky hello hello what do you do to reduce your workload I don't (laughs) (laughs) I'm really bad at that (laughs) see I like the truth being that my sister was sat next to me on another laptop writing an EHCP uh, <laughs> before doing this. So, um, <laughs> and I've been doing work. I think it is, even in the holidays, we do work. Everyone is this like, oh, teachers have so much holiday. Like they don't, they clock off at three o'clock. But in reality, we're working really long hours that people just don't understand the amount of effort that goes into teaching and the amount of hours that it takes and the amount that it does outside of school. How many days would you say that you work past three o'clock? Every day. Every day. I was the same, every day. Um, I have I have the odd day where I leave early to be able to pick up my son, but then as soon as I put him to bed, I then work in the evening. So even if there are days where I'm like, oh, I can leave for childcare reasons, I need to go pick up my son. Um, I'm then finding other points in the day where I am kind of working. And I think that's the thing we have very important roles that we're very good at putting the children first but we're not very good as teachers at putting ourselves first no definitely not I think um I just think about what you're making me think about it today because we've been chatting about it a lot today um I try not to work on a Friday when I get home but quite often still end up working on a Friday as well so that's sort of my day when I try not to do anything in the evening but yeah Monday to Thursday I'm sort of leaving school at about five o'clock, half past five, because of childcare. And then sort of doing the childcare thing in the evening and then starting work again as soon as they're in bed. Um, but that probably happens on 50% of Fridays as well. That's the thing. My, my, my childcare days where I can stay late are my Mondays and Fridays, but I run out of energy by the time I hit <laughs> my Friday. I do stay and get a little bit done, but it is really hard to get motivated to do that extra on a Friday. I tend to do... Um, it'll tend to be more on a Saturday night or a Sunday that I'll then actually find the energy to do it and I think that's the interesting bit is that you said that you like on Friday I'm going to leave at this time and I think that's important as staff is that you try and give yourself one day right I'm going to leave at this time that's going to be the day that I don't work that's going to be when I don't do that extra thing and I think that can really help in terms of making yourself do that I remember I was at a school very heavily pregnant. I was, I think I was a good seven months at that point. Um, and I was there working till seven o'clock at night, trying to get stuff done, ready for when I was off and make sure all the lessons were there for when I was gone. And I remember the deputy coming around and be like, you need to go home. You shouldn't be here. Go home. And I, I think unless we're told we go, don't go home, but it's also one of those who tells the middle leaders to go home who tells the senior leaders enough mm-hmm. is enough you need to go home and because I think that's the thing it's because ironically looking at kind of teacher tap they actually said that the lower ages are more uh struggle with the work-life balance so looking at this one there was a question that said um have any of the following caused you to feel stressed or unhappy at work over the last two weeks so and there were lots of different things listed but 81% of teachers in their 20s said that the work-life balance caused them stress, 77% in their 30s, 73% in their 40s, and 67% in their over 50s. 
So maybe we need to get mum back up here and give us some advice <laughs> teaching in her 70s what of how we 70s, yeah. de-stress from uh, teaching. Well, she's just applied to go back into school Although, yeah, well. she's just gone in to do um, invigilating. So um, she can't get enough of education. But it's interesting that actually the younger students that I think are finding the work-life balance stressful, whereas I think the older ones perhaps are more used to it. Yeah. Perhaps they're more happily go, no, that's not in my job description. I'm not going to do that. And I think there's there's that thing. I know that a couple of people um, on Teacher Talk Radio were talking about that on Twitter, like that you can have great teachers that say no, get the work-life balance right and still get the same out of their students without having to give them everything. But there are still teachers that can do the extra hours and put in the extra time and they still get the results. So it's, but it's, you don't have to do that to get the results, but there's a lot of pressure to, but you shouldn't feel pressure to. It should be if you want to. I think as well, what you were saying about with that survey in um, about most of it, less, less than half of it is on actual teaching. Um, and I know obviously I'm, I'm a senior leader and obviously as you've already said, I'm a, I'm a Senko. So a lot of what I do isn't teaching. Yeah. Uh, but there's sometimes I think, Oh, I just can't. No, I just can't leave that to tomorrow because it's going to have a real direct effect on a child's life. And... Well, I was going to say, I think your role has this pressure more than any other role because essentially it's going to have a massive impact on their life and that it's going to have that strong thing. It, it seems a bit silly um, in the news that teachers uh, are being told that it's now our, our jobs to report child abuse. I mean, we've all, I don't know a single teacher that wouldn't report child abuse or hasn't done it. And, and it seems, it just seems like there's a lot of disconnect to what actually teachers do. I know, I, I, but we, like we were saying yesterday, when that came out, it's like, oh, haven't they read Casey? Because every single teacher has done. So <laughs> obviously whoever wrote that report is not really aware of um, what we do in schools. And no teacher is going to be like, oh, that child's potentially in a harmful situation but I'm going to go home. <laughs> like That's just yeah. not in anybody's situations. I think majority of teachers, even if we'd probably even put our own family behind some of the students and we'd be like calling people, can you pick them up? Can you do that? Because actually we put the children first and we, we are going to give that time because it's important and we care about them. We're very invested in them. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think I, uh, maybe that also slightly comes from the fact that, oh, I don't know how to put that, correctly but we know that our own children are all right yeah um so we you can sort of put that to one side and just go no I need to do this for this child now and that that can make work-life balance a really really big issue that's a, I've never thought about it that way but yeah we're the kind of the people that are fighting for those children to make sure that they're safe and they're okay and looked after and actually but we're quite we know that there are people that can look after our own children and, and that they're safe if we need to call somebody to help so we can stay later and make sure that other child is safe. And I think there's no teacher that's not going to do that to that for a child that needs us. And I think that's the thing that we're constantly, whether it be that you're a Senko, that those extra hours that you have to do to make sure those children are safe, those extra meetings that you have to schedule with all the different agencies that you're going to have to attend at those times, then puts pressure on other areas that you have to shuffle everything around. So it's quite... I think teaching is quite difficult to organise in that respect as well. There's constant change. There's things that are always added on, extra events in school, extra things you need to do with your tutor groups. And it's it's those extra little bits that kind of 
can throw you off balance and then that's oh I need to do that instead of my markings and then I'm going to do my marking after school and it's that kind of ricochet of constant kind of build up of things that you're doing yeah definitely and I think as well there's um you know as teachers everyone in in education is doing more and more caring around the children because other other agencies are so stretched as well so I think that's added more and more to teachers workload again that's that out of the classroom thing um and then just the type of people that tend to go into teaching you can't just ignore that can you and I think it is that I think that obviously there's a lot more mental health issues going on in schools that are stretched and obviously mental health agencies are very very stretched so it's kind of bringing more in for us to do as teachers to be that interim and try and keep them in a safe place in the time being until that but it's putting a lot of extra pressure on teachers and then that mental load you're taking home as well so it's and it's how do you distress from that how do you detach yourself I don't think it's possible to in our job to like not think about them because we were talking weren't we about I said sleep is a really important thing. I think as teachers, we probably don't sleep necessarily as well. I personally, especially at this point of year where I've got my um, year 11s doing their GCSEs, and I actually have a book by my bed and I write little notes in it because I will dream about them. And I, I tell the children, they think it's hilarious. I'm like, I dream about your projects. I dream about your coursework. I dream about your final pieces. Like, and I think they're just constantly on my mind. I was like, I have to write them down, otherwise I'll forget it. And it's like, it's a really good idea. Um, and they they just think it's hilarious that I'm not sleeping. <laughs> and I'm going into school. I'm like, I dreamed about you today. And it's and it's it's <laughs> not dodgy at all. Not though. dodgy at all. <laughs> but in the te- of their work and their like ways to help them and things that we can put in place to support them. But it is like if I didn't like I I genuinely fill a whole book at this point of year like and I took it in and actually showed my year 11s one year because I was like look these every time I wake up I write a little thought about you guys this is like kind of that I'm just obviously it's really important when to me because I don't want to forget that idea otherwise I literally go into the classroom it's like oh I came up with a really good idea can't can't remember it for the life of me and it's going to then frustrate me, <laughs> keep me going. Well, I think I sometimes things come to me in the night and I'm then not going to sleep because I'm worried I'm going to forget them. Yeah. So then, I've yeah, I've got like post-it notes by my bed. I recently, it was a New Year's thing, I recently got into journaling. Um, it was from watching um, another podcast and they talked about journaling and, and kind of having those reflections at the end of the day. And, and I feel like it shouldn't be... I also also read another book where it's like if you do journal, it shouldn't you need to journal to the point where it doesn't add work. So you shouldn't be journaling to the point where it's a chore and be like, oh, this is just extra work at the end of my day. But if you journal to the point where it's like, okay, this helped me remind me of all the positives that happened today, and also I can kind of be a little reflective of all the things I need to get done later in the week, and and it's helped me offload to be able to kind of sleep a bit better and not have to think of them at the moment and it's it's having that reflection okay did I really achieve the things that I reflected on yesterday and also like where on the scale am I today on terms of one to five of how good my day was and actually I'm like no it wasn't as bad as I thought it was actually in hindsight can be quite nice I didn't know you'd started journaling I have have. it's my new year's resolution that's very cool I I stopped when I broke my foot and every day I was marking myself as a one (laughs) 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 I was like I broke my foot 
got a blood clot. Yeah, no, still, still in. I think it had it had the Pacific Journal that I have. I won't mention the name of it. Has different sections, and you have to rate yourself on your uh, finance, your health, your work, and your life balance. So like your family and relationships and stuff. So I think for me, I got to a point where I was like, because obviously I had the blood clot in my leg, and then had the blood clot in my lungs I was marking myself quite low every day really so I was like I didn't I was <laughs> I, I my finances went up because I wasn't driving to work every day oh, that's true um but and you couldn't go anywhere I couldn't go anywhere <laughs> so just like, the hospital vending machine just the hospital uh my family one my, went up high because I felt like we were all calling each other and speaking to each yeah. other more often which was nice so in that respect I kind of stopped for a little bit till I kind of was actually not writing the same thing every day moved yeah. from the kitchen to the sofa it was painful <laughs> so I do find that's kind of helped me in seeing the positives in my day and helped me get to sleep better although I just say that since going back to work with how exhausting it's been with the physical condition I have fallen asleep on the sofa most oh, nights for the last two weeks yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sleeping sleep slept on my sofa more than I have my bed the last week um but I think but I guess that that is, is you get it's that thing isn't it I just need to get to the holidays I just yeah. need to get to Easter like I don't think there's a teacher that doesn't say that you're just like yeah. oh if I just get to that point then I can have a bit of a break but and I don't think many people who aren't in education understand that so I think one of the most positive things for me in the last few years is my husband, who's not a teacher, ended up working in the same school as me for a little while. And up to then, he was sort of much, you know, we've been married 20 years. And um, <laughs> up to up to like a couple of years ago, he'd be very much, oh, you're, you're on holiday. Just do that. Oh, you, you finish at three o'clock. You can do that. And, uh, and now he's spent some time in schools and it's completely different. And he comes and he looks at my face and he's like, OK, what's happened? Right. OK, now you need to do this. So he sometimes he will actually address my work life balance for me. That's nice. But him understanding much more what it's like to be in a school has, has had a huge dramatic impact on my life. Not saying that you now need to go out. Everyone should go out and um, make sure they've got a partner who's in education or get their partner. But a lot of people do. A lot of people do date other teachers. Or pe- well, yeah, of course. I think that's, that's, a... your work, that's what your workplace is, isn't it? It's but a I think it's, your partner. It's, a, it's a different line of work. I think unless you're in it, you don't understand it. Absolutely. And so many people, because obviously, like in my role as Senke, and then like if we're employing TAs and things like that, and I've had those conversations with, uh, obviously TAs are worth their weight in gold, they're the most amazing people ever, as far as I'm concerned. But a, quite a lot of them will come in and say, I never realised it was like this in schools. Yeah. And that's the thing, I, I quite often see people looking for jobs that will work around childcare, and they're like, oh, a TA will do that. And it's like, until you go in and actually see the school system it gives they're like oh I didn't realize it was like that I didn't realize how much hard work it is even in the younger years it's it's there's a lot that goes in in the school and there's a lot that goes in outside of the classroom it's not just doing the lesson but even if you break that down if you think about a normal job if you're going to do a presentation for work you would spend quite a few hours if not a whole week working on a presentation practicing presentation tweaking the presentation make sure you've got the evidence and and it looks good and all that and then you would present it and that's a lot of pressure and most people would probably agree with that now if you go okay you've got to do that four or five times in a day 
and then kind of review it and then write a new one that is acting on that and improving it and you're doing that day in day out it is i think it is a lot of pressure if you put it like that and think about how much you're working and how much you're performing it can be it's very intense teaching mm. and i think that's why you need the holidays because you need to recoup and refresh and think about it in that respect or catch up with everything you haven't done in term time yes yeah, so <laughs> that's the other thing that we were saying that i do agree that the, you should carve out amount of time to have for yourself and to not work I, d I don't think you should work all holidays I think but I do think that it's okay to work one or two and get yourself ahead to make your life easier when you go back because yeah. that's what I tend to do I tend to have a day or two and then be like right I'm going to get this this and this done then everything is done and so then, then I'm, not worried, I'm not worried um, and same as I, I don't know whether I'm the only person that would think this but I kind of don't like the inserts in September because it's you have a couple of days in the start and then you don't have time to kind of implement all the things that you're introduced to and mm. then you're straight back in. I'd rather have the inset days in the end of the summer term so I know what I need to do and kind of sp can chill out, think about it in my own time when I'm a bit more relaxed, a bit more chilled and perhaps create some resources and stuff when I've got ample amount of time rather than rushing it and trying to introduce it straight back. But I know a lot of people would have checked out and be like, no, I'm done, it's the holidays. I'm not interested. So it, I think it just depends on the teacher. I think there's a lot to be said for kind of both, if that makes sense. Yeah, maybe there's a happy medium somewhere as well. And I think preparation is key. And perhaps that's why so many of the younger teachers with the 81% saying under 20, uh, teachers in their 20s find work-life balance stressful is that obviously they do have um, to write their lesson plans and stuff when they are training but they do get an extra a couple of periods when they're in the early careers teachers and they do get a lot more support and lots of things that they can attend but perhaps it's that adjusting to the fact they didn't realize the work-life balance and I think yeah. I know when I've had trainees I'm very much like this is how you balance it and I actually make sure that's in my training that's something that I have when I talk to a trainee teacher that you need to make sure that you're doing it this way or this way and when I've had a trainee go I need to do some marking I'm like right okay so why are you marking what are you marking uh, and they're like oh well I just need to mark something to tick off this box and have evidence I'm like no like it has to benefit the kids we're not going to mark just to tick a box and if you're going to mark we're all going to mark because it needs to be fair on all the children so it can't be too tedious because you don't want to add to everyone's workload so it needs to be an efficient way to mark and it needs to be something that's going to benefit the students yeah. so that it's not for any reason I think that was kind of a light bulb moment for them that like I'm not marking for the sake of it to tick a box I'm marking because it's benefiting the kids and then it doesn't matter how you mark as long as it's going to benefit them and I think that's that's definitely reduced my workload with bringing in kind of whole class marking or you were saying live marking. I find live marking really effective. And I think getting that done in the classroom is really useful. For me, with photography, we moved to digital mark books and therefore I, I've now got a digital comment bank. So rather than writing it onto all of them, I'm copying and pasting. But I literally have five, six pages of comments that I can copy and paste from. So there's a real range of them. And same as I've recently invested in a printer that I can talk into my phone it prints out the stickers for what I've said and I can stick it in their books now oh, that's that's, really that's cool. quicker than me handwriting it because I'm 
ironically, because we, since we've gone digitally, I, I can I can handwrite really slow. And actually, my students found it a bit of a laugh. They were like, right, you handwrite it and we'll type it on the phone. And then we tried, then we did typing versus me speaking at the phone. And we actually timed them all and saw which was the quickest. And But it has sped up that kind of thing of kind of feedback and making it quicker. And I think having an efficient way to reduce that same as I've done mark sheets that have all the common misconceptions on for I have one for drawing one for writing one for experimentation and I staple them into the books and I highlight them and they do the ones that I highlight obviously I write little still do their spelling and what have you and things down the side but for me that means I can mark a whole class in 15-20 minutes um and it's really easy to do and quick to do and then they're all, in theory, got individual feedback because there's kind of, I think I've got 20 boxes to pick from. And they all get two boxes highlighted that they then improve on. So it's for me, it's quick, it's effective, they can work on it. But it means that I could, especially as an art subject, and you'd have the same when you used to teach music. I do still you, teach music sometimes. Um, but like the lower school, when it's like one lesson a week and you end up teaching the whole of a key stage so I teach every year nine class in the whole of my school so trying to mark all of year nine at the same time or gather data for the whole of year nine to write the whole of year nine's reports is a huge amount versus like an English teacher that just has one class and it's actually only 30 kids and and that's so it's kind of thinking about those in terms of your subject how do you make marking work for you and what you're trying to do so you can gain back that time but it still be effective I think is the key yeah for me I find like live marking really useful sort of going around talking to a child like writing in as I'm talking to them and then they start responding in their books and I think also looking at that uh picking kids so picking a high ability a middle ability a low ability your SEN students and marking them and seeing what they're doing can work quite well because then you can kind of add it on from there so you're kind of getting a generic look at your class whilst picking specific students rather than having to mark all of them and I think some some bigger departments do that across like a whole subject so I know our maths will kind of do that they'll look at that across all their classes and then compare them to see whether there's any gaps in the curriculum and I think that's the thing I'm always adapting my curriculum to try and make it easier and better to do the next year and it is easier like every for me every lesson is planned out for the whole entire year I'll still adapt them and change them but for me not having that workload does mean but I learned that (laughs) and that's the thing I guess when you get into the older age group saying that they're less stressed by work-life balances because I guess you put that time and effort in earlier on to create something I sort of agree but at the same time like for example for me because I've taught music b-tech for years and years since it came out and it stopped so I've now yeah. had to do that whole thing. I've had years and years of resource and done all the training and, and done all the standardisation for years and years and felt really, really comfortable with it, getting good results. But obviously now that the BTEC is in its currently in its final year, so I've switched to another, uh, a new course that we're trying to learn and uh, almost as the children are going and you think, then, but then I get that guilt. I was like, oh, I'm, not going to be able to support you the same way I've supported others because I'm still trying to get my head around it and I think we're quite proud people as teachers and sometimes it can be quite hard to ask other people for advice or ask other teachers for their resources because as national subject lead I quite often send out resources to 
other schools to use so that's why I try and write mine so that any cover teacher anybody can because early in my school I had lots of issues with cover so therefore I wrote it so anybody could teach my lessons because I did have cover teaching my lessons uh, when somebody went off long term sick so and I think not being afraid to ask or look for other things obviously there's like places like oaks which you can look at for resources and stuff and that's great that there's there is that resource but I don't know whether as teachers we need that place to go that is supported if people like Ofsted are going to come in and criticize and say all these things about different departments should they actually have a responsibility to have curriculum examples that people can use and take and do like rather than just inspecting schools shouldn't they be more supporting schools and actually go if you're struggling use this this would help and actually having somewhere it, it seems very scattered mm. kind of across every school is different every school teaches different like actually do we need to work more together as a collective of teachers to help each other out in workload rather than being like I'm going to put mine on tests and sell it for some money not that <laughs> not that that's not a bad place to start especially like the free resources there are great but it's that kind of Other if you are struggling don't feel like you have to do it all yourself yeah. there are places to go and but... if you're if you're older maybe you've got more of those links yeah, you know, because you like you've moved schools a few times, and you know you've got people in other schools that you can like contact and ask for that support. And I think it is that that in the younger teachers, don't be afraid to ask for other people. Find a network, find a, a Facebook group that you can, or a, a social media group that you can ask for advice and ask for help. Because I know I don't know whether it's just an art teacher thing, but we have I'm with a couple and literally somebody will be like I need to learn how to do this how do I do it and people will be like here's a powerpoint here's a powerpoint here's a powerpoint and everyone's quite open to sharing stuff and even it will be like somebody shared a couple of years ago some great slides on careers and be like oh that was me here you go and it's kind of um it's nice to see that but I don't know whether necessarily the younger years really know how to access that to help themselves Mm, or whether it's or do we do we still have that, that actually sharing is caring and actually we can help it? Or is it? Or is that lazy teaching? Do you feel that you need to be able to create something yourself Maybe. to understand it? Or at least to be able to adapt it? Um, I think another thing I think that changed as I've gone through is having my own children. Yeah. And I think a little bit that almost forces you to have more of a work-life balance because you've got to, yeah. uh, you've still got, you've got to feed them, unfortunately, and, and you've got to bath them. <laughs> got to and, keep them alive. Um, yeah, you've got to keep them alive and make sure they get into bed and <laughs> and all those things. And, and in a way, that's that forces, it certainly forces me to have a break every evening. Um, I mean, I yeah. might not, be, when I say break, I am sort of air, um, inverted Quoting, commas yeah. here. Um but, and it also does mean that sometimes I might have a, an awful situation at school and I walk into the house and I've got to deal with the fact that um, my daughter fell over and has a slight scrape on her knees and wishes the end of the world for them. And that takes things, you know. Yeah, it changes your perspective yeah. and you have to let it go and leave it at the door, um, which helps. But I think, I know certainly for me, having little man and having that time where I have to have to be present I have to put him to bed but sometimes he also understands like mommy's on a course mommy's gonna be on her laptop like you're gonna have to just uh be aware of that and I think 
it's no as children they know that their parents are working but also knowing that they're going to have their you're going to have that extra time with them in the holidays and be more present in the holidays because you're, you're not at work but I think like for me I started working out in the evenings for my well-being mm. I started off just doing half an hour I, I'm reading a habits book at the moment and I said like making the thing accessible so for me I got a home kind of workout weights and stuff and I got an app that I can play on my telly so having something that's accessible that means that you're more likely to do it because it's rather than if for example if you were going to join a gym make sure it's a gym on the journey to or from work so you're not having to go out of your way and add to your time so if that is easy to access you're more likely to do it and then the more you do it the more you see the benefits so I also leave the equipment out so I'm like ah uh, okay if it's there I'm more likely to do it oh is that your excuse why it's all over the place? that's the why yeah. I don't tidy it away yeah oh, okay yeah. right yeah yeah I'll let mum know yeah. that next time she <laughs> <your> <laughs> um or leave your gym stuff out on the floor the night before so you're when you Smelly get up trainers. you put it on <laughs> no, my trainers are in the shoe box um so you're more likely to put them on and do the workout if they're there it's there as a prompt to do um so I used to do evenings and then my friend did every morning and we used to try and again community you are a, you're a substance of the people that you hang out with so I'm hanging out oh, with you deep. so you're going to rub off <laughs> for me this week um so therefore I'm more likely to do the things that the people around me are doing. So we used to all have the same app. We used to all post what number we did and we all had to try and do the same one that other people did. So that motivated me and we're all teachers. And actually we've said, my friend who does it, who's also a teacher, we both said that when we've stopped doing it, it's affected our mental health, not having that outlet. And I think for me, it's like that half an hour and I'm done and I'm out and I like my mental load is, is, is clear, like the de-stress is gone. But she used to do it in the morning. I was like, I'm going to try it. I hated it. I hated getting up at 6am and doing a half an hour workout. And it probably took me a good month before actually I'm like, I really enjoy this. So, and it was that kind of working out, having a shower, going to, to work and having that clear mind that I've already done that. I'm now awake. I'm more energized at the start of my day than I was. And that was just time that I would have sat on my phone and scrolled in bed previously but it's kind of twisted and therefore I felt like I'd achieved more and I didn't feel so guilty when I sat on the sofa in the evenings. <laughs> um, but I mean, you have started a new thing for your wellbeing that you dragged me into this afternoon. Uh, well, I've sort of gone back to it. Um, so uh, I'm really lucky. As Hannah said, I, I'm in Cornwall. I'm really, really close to the, to the sea. Um, and I have maybe been, been watching a series on uh, Disney that I've started watching for one reason has actually found very useful for another reason. <laughs> you mean Thor? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, it reminds because I do. Uh, Hannah and I have always done loads of swimming. We've been sort of brought up that way. Both swam quite competitively, um, and then here for years I was doing quite a lot of open water swimming, and then. Thor reminded me that actually cold water swimming uh, in an immersion is really, really good for you. Well, he was looking, it's the show's about kind of him finding ways to live longer. Yeah. Yeah. And to deal with stress and things like that. Uh, and so, right, I was like, I actually really love swimming and I haven't had time really to get into the water much this year. So I then challenged my son who plays 
rugby to quite a good level and was quite achy as well one day. I said, right, come on, let's go and do some cold water immersion and, and let's go in the sea. So about a month ago, him and I decided we were going to start a weekly plunge. So we've been doing that and just gradually getting ourselves back used to the cold water. And it just feels amazing. It, it's horrible. To get in there is horrible. Um, and you get the whole gasp reflex. And, <gasps> but actually get out of it and it just feels so alive and and yeah it feels good and some of the aches and pains go as well i think i joined them this afternoon i wasn't quite a hundred percent convinced you did it i did it my son was like quite game which i was quite impressed with got changed went up to his knees went nah and got out um <laughs> but but fair, it was cold enough nothing he's, on him, he's has he, tiny uh he did say it was cold enough to claim the hot chocolate with marshmallows yeah. though which was fair but we we all went in. We got on. Uh, you fully went for a swim. My foot's not quite healed enough. That's my excuse. But I, I did do a little bit of a swim. But I wouldn't get out of my depths because I didn't want to uh, die. Um, but Fred, I think, I think my seventeen-year-old just does yeah. it so that he can take his shirt off in case yeah. there's any girls. He on the went beach. in and got out very quick, and then was was like, "Grandma, did you get a good James Bond picture?" And um, yes, she so did. <laughs> different different reasons. But I think even though they were all different ages and all different reasons, it was really fun to do as a group it was really fun to kind of challenge yourself mentally to get over that block and and prove that you can do something that you didn't necessarily when you first get in you're like I'm not going to be able to do this oh it's so cold and then you get like up to your waist and you're like I'm definitely not going to be able to get any further and then a bigger wave comes and you're like oh I might as well I might as well get in now and then actually when you're in it's not so bad and I think it is that it's that proving to yourself, isn't it, that they're meant to do, and it's and it's and it's controlling your body and your breathing and kind of restarting it. And I completely get how people would do that as a positive thing regularly. I've got a friend who filled up a big kind of canister with a lid outside his house, who's a teacher, and and every morning he posted a video of him getting in it, and he timed himself for three minutes. Oh, um, nice. It, it well at points there was ice that he would lift off the top because I think it was I want to say it was February that he did it wow. and and it was cold there was and the the, the videos were all, it was all still really dark um and like I was like oh fair play that you're like literally doing that at 6 30 in the morning before work and going so it was like a big upright then big upright plastic kind of uh like a water but but yeah so it had the lid on just took it off it just filled he it must up. be quite tall uh yeah because i think i'd kill myself trying to get yeah you wouldn't be able to get out had a little step to get in (laughs) you would you would struggle uh you just need i'm average like a half of one um but he said and then he continued it i don't know whether he still does it um actually it was josh so if you haven't gone and listened to our podcast talking about sport in uh school then do go back and find that and listen to it on the playback um but yeah he actually continued it on he said he just found the benefits of it outweighed anything and actually everyone was seeing him do it and a lot of his friends would come and join in at weekends and oh, stuff cool. and it's quite a a nice thing and I guess the more you do it the more you get over the headspace of getting in it yeah and there's a couple of people that I follow online that do it and they very much say like one of them goes people always want to know the benefits of something before doing it so people want to know the benefits of cold water swimming or cold water dip he used to do it in the sea but then he got an ice bath and one that you can change it the levels and he was like people always want to know what the benefits of it are before doing it but you can't really explain the benefits until you do it and then you understand it yeah 
Um, and the other guy was quite similar. He's like, it's if you do it at the start of the day, that is the hardest part of your day, getting over the mental hurdle to get into that cold water. And then you feel so alive and your body just feels in a really good place that anything is achieved, everything else in the rest of your day is easier. Yeah. So it's kind of that mental challenge and clearing your mental load and I guess making yourself feel like everything is achievable. I think that's the thing we're teaching. You do need to balance it because sometimes it just feels like it's constant and it's just, there's never that kind of relief. It's just one thing after another, after another another like you can never get to the end of your to-do list but actually (laughs) kind of having that mentality that actually you feel like you can achieve something you can break through barriers can put yourself into a good place I think it also makes you a better teacher for all those children that are relying on you as well because if you burn out and and you you know you're not doing those things for yourself you are not doing justice to yourself as a teacher and to those children that rely on I mean let's be honest the children rely on us don't they yeah and I I I certainly feel that having been off for a few weeks with my injuries like and the response I got going back like I emailed the students and, and said I was like kind of phasing myself back because I was literally in quite a lot of pain at the end of a day even with a reduced timetable and I emailed the students going I'm really sorry I'm not going to be able to do the after schools for a few weeks because I'm in quite a lot of pain and I just I'll put them on I need to have a couple of weeks and then I'll put them back on and one of the students just replied to me going miss you're far more important please rest like just we're, we're, we're absolutely fine if you don't do the after schools like just look after yourself we're glad to have you back and it's like that I think I put so much pressure on myself that like I want to do that for them their exams are coming up I don't want to let them down at this like point and especially having been off for so long I feel like there's that pressure and it's it's that opposite pressure isn't it like we say to the students that if they miss 15 days of of school a year that's the equivalent of a GCSE I was like well I've missed 15 lessons so that's essentially equivalent of a GCSE for them like I need to put in that extra time, put in that extra effort and catch them up. And it's it's a lot of load to take. Like you feel very responsible for your students and you don't want to let them down. Um, but I do that religiously, but I do it quite my Monday nights. I'm like, I'm I'm going to be there anyway. They're quite relaxed. If the kids want help, I'll help. If they just want to use resources, they can use resources. If I've got work to do, I will sit there and work in it and they completely understand that some sometimes they can be there but I'm going to do work as well and I think that's quite a nice way to do the after schools as opposed to it being something that you feel pressured to be there that's an extra lesson that you have to prepare for and that you've been pressurized into doing it needs to be something that you enjoy and build your relationships that's the place I have the lovely chats that's the place that I push my my boundaries and their boundaries and I'm like do you want to try this for a photo shoot like we had big uh, rolls of paper out and we're doing full kind of powder paint shoots uh, after school which I would never be able to do in a classroom full of 30 kids but but when I've got kind of six or seven after school we can move all the tables around and have that or mess around with lights and stuff so for me those sessions are important for me pushing my boundaries pushing the kids boundaries and having good relationships with them but I don't think it should be something that SLT pressurize you to do but does it also help because it sort of reminds you of your love of what of your subject yeah and it takes that that pressure 
off almost because I'm like I've got that after school where I can be there for those high ability students that want to push themselves I can use that time to get my own time that's the time that I've dedicated that I'm going to get stuff done or help them or or do those bits and and also it's that kind of safe space I like the fact that kids will come and they'll open up and and that's the place where they feel safe and I think a lot of students like that place to go sometimes after school so it's although it's important for our well-being it's times those sessions can be important for them as well yeah I think when you do extracurricular and children see you putting in that time that's not just in the classroom it does so much you know for their relationship with you and then when you are back in the classroom with them it's quite often easier to teach them See, my well-being was quite massively affected when my school changed the lunchtime system. So in COVID, we moved um, our tutor group to the middle of the day instead of the end of the day. And we had split lunches and we kept that. So we've got earlier in lunch, we've got um, seven, eight, nine go for lunch first and then 10 to 11 go for lunch second. And the other whichever one isn't on lunch has tutor time. Now, for me, I'm a Kiso 3 tutor. I have, I'm a head of department and everyone in my department has QSO3 um, tutor groups and none of us are available to do QSO4 lunchtime detentions. So I'm not building that relationship with those difficult children that aren't getting the work done in lessons. They're going to heads of year. Um, But also previous, our lunchtime has been cut shorter. So we've got kind of a 30 minute, uh, 35 minute lunch with like kind of there's like a five minute swap over. So it's really kind of 30 minutes. Whereas before we used to have a 45 minute lunch. Now I would spend 30 minutes doing stuff with students and then 15 minutes eating my lunch. Granted, that's probably not the healthiest way, but actually I much preferred lunch that way because it meant I was able to run places like my after school where kids would come, kids would enjoy my subject, kids would just come to hang out or would do stuff. And in terms of our, we survey our students a lot with asking them what they want, what the activities they want more of. It was constantly comes back with key stage three art. They want key stage three art clubs, but I only have one tutor group a week where I don't have a tutor group and I do the intervention with the kids that won't come to after school. So I either have to give up another of my off evenings, which I just don't have the capacity for, or I have to kind of forego the key stage four. But for me, they're more important. So it's, it's really difficult. I'd love to do that lunchtime or an after school and give that to key stage three and encourage them and create that love and almost create that space for their well-being but I can't do it for my own well-being like I just I feel really guilty for it but there's just not the space in my timetable to be able to do it and I think that's the thing especially with creative subjects there's a lot of pressure on the lunchtime activities the after school activities the school plays the concerts in that respect there's, there's quite a lot of pressure for teachers to do more outside of lessons yeah which goes back to your facts that you found earlier wasn't it which one was it um that most most of them what they're doing after half their time is on tasks other than teaching yeah over half half of their time is spent not teaching doing other things and i think that's that's something that slt needs to be mindful of creative subjects that actually we teach more groups and then we do more extracurricular stuff. So it's kind of worth considering that when you're asking them to do more things. Because I certainly, I love a competition. I love kind of doing nice things. We had a, a one a few years ago where the kids wrote 
um, and design postcards that we sent to care homes. Like I love all that stuff, all the extra stuff that makes teaching so special, but it does add, it takes time. Like I'm taking my kids surfing in June. I've got three sessions after school. Now that's going to be nine, 10 hours of my time. Um, uh, Hannah, what happened last time you took children surfing? I didn't, that wasn't the time I took the children surfing. So that I do because I love it and I love watching the kids surf and I love watching them enjoy it and it's on the coast. I did plan a staff surfing wellbeing session and, and broke my foot on the first wave and it did nothing for my wellbeing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but the rest of the staff loved it. It was great. Um, and we quite often, I think that's the thing, we live near water as well. We have the river near where I live as well. And quite often on a Friday, we'll have um, paddle and a pint. And a lot of us have paddle boards or kayaks. And we're lucky that 10 minutes down the road, we can get straight onto the river. And we, we have done in the summer, we've gone out for like a little paddle. And then there's a pub that you leave from and come back from. And then you have to have a drink in order to have launched from there um oh dear i know it's tragic <laughs> so obviously it doesn't have to be alcoholic it can be anything but that's quite nice on a friday after school that kind of in terms of school well-being but it's more of a, a kind of a teacher planned thing as opposed to anything that slt are doing but i do think it, it depends what your staff want but sometimes having something that's that's going to make you not think about teaching and just enjoy the day can be really nice. I think it's important to have some things like, as like you say, a school well-being things, but it's also important for teachers to have their own things as well. The little things that I've seen that school does well, I quite like, I've seen a school do a um, lunch box. So they have like in the staff room, they have a little box and it's filled of like pot noodley type things for the days where a teacher's come into school and forgotten their lunch or had to leave in a rush or not had time to cook their lunch or make a lunch or something's gone on that's, that's quite nice. nice that there's like that option okay I'm gonna I can, I've there is a backup like it's not the end of the world yeah. I think sometimes we're we're all so busy to get out the door that sometimes we don't look after ourselves I have that's one thing I do do well I am a senior leader and I'm quite I'm on duty every day um, but quite a lot of my duties are in the canteen but I i that's just don't bring food into work anymore because literally that I will do that as part of my day and I quite like um we have two lunches um so if I'm usually on duty one lunch and the second lunch I will go up to the canteen and I will get a meal and I will sit with the children and I will eat it and have conversations and but also support whichever staff are on duty in the in the canteen at the same time so I'm lending a hand and eating and sort of chatting to kids I'd, i've seen a previous school do that that actually they offer staff free lunches yeah. if they go and eat in the canteen and actually that's helped improve behavior because you have more teachers there during that lunchtime so therefore the students behave and i do think it's, it's nice when there is that culture that teachers sit with students i had that at my old school that actually i mean obviously i was there in early days so it was quite normal for the kids to come and sit on the same tables as us and eat and chat with them and that's quite a nice environment there's a big there's a big link with literacy around about that whole oracy thing and uh, I, I know there's some some work about you know staff actually sitting with children and in the canteen and and chatting with them because that's a big thing that they feel is is missing in some home lives that, that has a big effect on literacy. Uh, yeah, that that there's isn't it? It's, I suppose it's the cultural capital gap, isn't it? That they're not yeah. having those educational conversations about everyday life in 
their normal home life they're actually having that being able to have that conversation and especially as as well in terms of ability like i know that i've got SEN students in my tutor group that will always come and hang around after tutor time to talk to me or come find me at lunch to talk to me and I think they just long for that conversation with people yeah yeah we also um we haven't we've set up a nurture unit which I think most secondary schools in particular but probably most primary schools have had to do as well in the in the face of the huge numbers of SEN we have so we've we've created like our own little nurture space and and we were often We've got a big central table and if children want to come in to eat because it's a bit quieter in there, it's absolutely fine. But they sit down at the table with everyone and we're having those conversations. And I think that's a thing with wellbeing is also, also where staff eat. Um, I think lot, some schools have multiple staff rooms or some schools just eat within their department. I know that when we surveyed our schools and and, and some they asked the staff about whether they felt they could speak to other members of staff some people said no but for me I'm quite a social I'm I'm a I'm a social butterfly in terms of staff rooms so I eat within my department but then there's certain days where I don't want I'm quite busy one so I don't want to go as far so I'll eat in the staff room near my room which has everyone else in and then previously before she left my best friend was in, in the other end but she had a different tutor group so on the day that I had my intervention that was the day I went and ate ate down there so I ate down with different teachers so it was quite nice eating with different teachers around the school but also hearing different because I feel that's the place that people vent and hearing different issues that people were having but I found it quite interesting that some people said that they couldn't talk to other staff but I think that's because they stick to where they eat yeah I think the more and that's what I'd say definitely to an early careers teacher or somebody starting in a new school is make sure you go and eat in all the can all the different staff rooms. Don't stick to one staff room. <laughs> like, because actually having that wider net is really nice. And I know my school moved to um join a trust. And my my I've got a disabled son, so he had a lot of hospital appointments at the start. And I didn't want to lie. I told them about all of the appointments and said that they were them. I'd reached the threshold of ha- the number of days that I could have for ho- hospital appointments quite early on and my line manager didn't want to give me the document she was like I read it because I was doing a lot of extra hours due to having staff off sick so I was kind of doing far more hours than I would do normally but that didn't really count because I was like but the policy is we now can't pay you if you take any more days for the hospital and I was quite upset about it and obviously my line manager kind of knew that I would be but I went and spoke in the staff room about it and three members of staff, I went to a different staff room that I didn't really go to that often, just the once a week. And they went, well, tell us when the appointments are. Between us, we'll work out who's free and we'll all cover your lessons so you don't lose pay. And for me, that was like a real moment of like, gosh, I haven't been at this school very long. I don't really know these staff because these are in a different staff room, but I feel supported like I feel that's the kind of school that you want to be at where staff are like, we've got your back. We'll we'll support you when you need to do things because that's what we do. We work as a team. And I, I do that. If, if somebody's struggling, I'd be like, hand me over that. What do you want me to do? If I can staple in some sheets for you to make your marking quicker, I will do it. If you need me to send some emails, me to go find those kids and round them up. Do you want me to take that assembly? Like... I'm quite often that person that I want to try and make other people's lives easier. If somebody's helped me, like the cover teachers were being off, I will come in and leave them like cupcakes on their desks to say thank you. 
um, because I feel like it's important. It's very easy to get to vent and be like, this is horrible. This is really stressful. Nobody cares. Like, this, like work is horrible. But actually, random acts of kindness, random acts of kindness are really important. And sometimes they can. I I did <laughs> I did a thing one year because I was very much in the wellbeing group. Um, we did a mugging off where we had a whole load of mugs and the idea was you had to fill the mug with different stuff and leave it on somebody's desk and be like, you've been mugged and then you got to take all the stuff out and you got to fill it with different things and then put it on somebody else's desk. I like desk. that, that's nice. So it kind of like was a bit of a surprise as to whether it ended up on your desk or we did have a random acts of kindness, a bit like a secret Santa where you picked a name out and then you had to do things for that yeah, person. For that week. Yeah, we've done that. And that was quite nice. I had I had uh, somebody randomly bring me a, a hot chocolate um on that week I had a group of kids come and sing to me because <laughs> they got the kids involved in the tutor group and they came and nice. randomly sang to me and I think it, that was quite nice as well you get the kids involved then it helps and I think that's the thing is we're not very good at reducing workload but if we feel appreciated yeah. we don't mind as much and I think I had a school once where they did thank you cards and at the end of each term, the kids had to write one thank you card to a teacher or somebody in the school and say what they were thankful for. And I think that was good for the kids to think about what teachers do and build a bit of appreciation. Also, it was great to get them. I still have mine. I have them all in like a little folder and they just make me feel like what I do is worth it and that you are making a difference and and I remember that that happened to be the same year I was teaching philosophy for the year which is not philosophy I taught philosophy it wasn't <laughs> my area of expertise and there was this one kid in that class that seemed to just get it and every time a kid asked a question I did not every <laughs> time I asked a question that kid was like is it this miss I'm like yes it is and he I honestly wouldn't have been able to teach that class without him and he was so good but he wrote me a thank you card at the oh, end of the year to say thank you for teaching me philosophy him. I thoroughly enjoyed it I really loved it and I was like no honestly thank you I could not have taught that class without <laughs> you because literally you were taking every, absorbing everything I said and helping me get through it so like it's it's little things like that but yeah it's it's a thankless job but it's nice when you are thanked absolutely so I'm going to just play our news and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the next thing, which is that most people said that they can't communicate about their well-being to senior leadership. So if you want to drop in any uh, thoughts on that, please do say. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. In union news, Daniel Kbede has been elected leader of the National Education Union. The union is the largest teachers' union and has been at the forefront of industrial action over teachers' pay in recent months. Mr Kbede said in a statement, after taking 69% of the vote to win the election, I am honoured to have been elected as General Secretary. 
I would like to thank everyone who has supported and campaigned for me. He went on to talk about the need for fundamental change in education and that this included an end to real terms pay cuts, an end to massive overwork of staff, the end of punitive Ofsteds and an increase in school funding. He also thanked current Joint General Secretaries Kevin Courtney and Dr Mary Bowstead for their inspiring leadership over the last six years. They will step down at the end of August. The BBC reports that, according to a leaked government document, almost a quarter of teachers in England are working 12-hour days, with around 60% of teachers saying they were doing 60 hours a week or more. The research by the Department for Education was carried out during spring 2022, but the findings have not been officially made public. Education Secretary Gillian Keegan has said that a new task force will be created to help reduce teachers' workload by an average of five hours per week. The leak comes as teaching unions consult members in England on a new pay offer, which includes the promise to reduce workload. The leaked document, marked confidential and given the title Working Lives of Teachers and Leaders, was produced by the DFA to examine issues around teacher supply, recruitment and retention. More than 11,000 teachers and leaders across primary and secondary were questioned. The report found one in four teachers were considering leaving the state sector within the next 12 months. Workload was the key factor in this decision. Three quarters said they spent too much time on paperwork. Two thirds of leaders said they spent too much time responding to government policy changes. One in five said they had low satisfaction in their working life, whilst almost a half rated their anxiety levels as high. Almost three quarters of teachers described their workload as unacceptable. Dr Mary Bowstead of the NEU accused ministers of withholding important information from the peer review body, although the government denied this. A spokesperson for the government insisted that the recent pay offer of 4.3% plus a £1,000 one-off payment was fair and reasonable. The Department for Education has released an update on the .gov.uk website focusing on the review of the way relationship, sex and health education is delivered. The update comes after a number of stories across media outlets prompted concern and outrage from some quarters and claims that hysteria is being whipped up by right-wing agitators from others. RSHE education has been compulsory for pupils in primary schools since September 2020. In secondary schools, relationships and sex education must be taught. The review, which will be completed by an expert panel, will focus on how to ensure pupils have access to age-appropriate information and how to place protection from pupils being introduced to things that they are too young to understand properly. The panel will also consider how age ratings can be introduced for different parts of the curriculum. The review will be completed before the end of 2023. As we approach Easter, the debate about supporting families who receive support through free school meals should be supported in holiday times and it's opened up again. The big issue raises concerns that despite the cost of living crisis, many families will go without support until term begins again. In what it calls a postcode lottery for support, many families will miss out as current funding largely depends on where you live. In England, the government is not directly funding free school meals over the Easter break, but support may be available if local councils decide to provide meals or vouchers. Many councils are relying on the holiday activities and food programme to support low-income families. 
In Scotland, some councils are offering free school meals payments to low-income families, but universal free school meals for children in primary one to five will not be available. There is some support available, but it varies by council, as does the amount of support being offered. The Welsh Government has made free meals available throughout the holiday period. The Government in Wales announced that £9 million has been provided to support eligible pupils with a free meal up to the end of May half term, including all bank holidays. The support will take the form of meal vouchers, money or packed lunches. In Northern Ireland, no free school meal provision is available. The previous holiday hunger payments of £27 per fortnight ceased on April 1st. A Department for Education spokesperson said it was because additional ring-fenced funding had ended. But campaigners focusing on food poverty said the decision was abhorrent. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. So, um, I was having a little look on TeacherTap earlier about in terms of well-being and mental health and kind of workload. And I found it really interesting that over one in three teachers don't feel able to speak about their mental well-being in school, particularly younger teachers um, being more reserved. 42% of teachers in their 20s do not feel able to speak about their well-being. And same as one in three classroom teachers reported that their leaders don't care about staff well-being, um, yet 99% of heads asked said that they do is it difference due to the perception of staff when faced with the reality of their day-to-day so do you think like kind of as a senior leader do you think that perhaps people don't necessarily communicate to you their well-being i think there's some of that i think it's you know you cannot be a good senior leader in school if you are not putting that staff well-being there because if if you're you know staff well-being's got to be one of the most important things because if your staff aren't able to be in school because their well-being isn't there then you're absolutely shot in the foot it's a really really important part of of being a senior leader but we recently um had some associate positions came up so so to allow some middle leaders who are aspiring to senior leadership to sort of spend some time on senior leadership and one of the things um, one of my close colleagues said to me is, I really did not understand how much you guys do at a senior leadership level. That really, and she was like, we don't understand, we don't see it. And if staff knew what you do, that I think it would help. Um, and she was sort of alluding to staff wellbeing, that they just knew that you are dealing with it. And that's that say, that that comment really stuck with us. So one thing we're trying to improve as a senior leadership team, is to get more information about what we're doing in response to their concerns out there. Because I think, you know, sometimes if you've had a really horrible lesson, especially at secondary level, um, you know, with a behavioural issue, quite often we take that away as a senior leadership and we'll deal with it. And, And that might not get fed back to that teacher how that was dealt with. So they might feel undermined really um so we've tried to make a real effort to to try and up our communication 
I think it's quite often thought of at senior leadership. I just think that sometimes there's so much going on at senior leadership that doesn't necessarily get fed back down. I think as well, um, senior leadership has become under a huge amount of pressure. I, I think since COVID, there was so much that senior leaders had to take on and adapt and learn and make sure all the staff and pupils were safe. And then it was adapting to coming back and changing how it is. And then it's been kind of filling the gaps and and trying to get everyone back up to where it should be, as well as dealing with far more staff absences, lack of cover. Like, I feel like the stress on leadership is far more, and obviously just to teachers in general, but it must be, I can't imagine the amount of work that you'd have to do as a leader but it is that thing, isn't it, that actually if you communicate that to your staff, then it is going to make them feel more appreciated and more understood and they'll work better for you. So it's, it's kind of a two way street. I definitely think like I bought my head an Easter egg and, and gave it to him before Easter because like I just I do appreciate how much senior leadership work and. And same as at Christmas, I made sure all of my leadership got homemade chutneys because oh, that's what I do. Like little things that don't cost me much, but I can show appreciation because I think I think leadership is a thankless job. I think people people are very quick to moan to see the leadership, but they're not necessarily as quick to thank senior leadership. But also they are the key thing. If it's done well, then staff will work well for you. So it's it's kind of a two way street that I don't think a lot of schools get right. No, I completely agree. I think it's, yeah, no, it is really tough like that. And I think there's that difficulty, isn't there, as well, that there's so much going on. Sometimes what can be really important to a te- to one teacher, we might have dealt with that and then have then had to pick up the fact that there's no social workers available for one child and that we've had another disclosure and this has gone wrong and then we've also got to find a cover teacher. There's so many little things. and I feel there's so many balls to be juggled yes, than there used to be in leadership. Definitely. I spe- Obviously, I'm more on that pastoral side. Um, and I really appreciate everything that our outside agencies and professionals do to support us. But I think they would ad- admit as well, there is a lot more that is there under pressure and it a lot more gets left on left on the school. So when your thing was saying about, you know, again, that ha- 60 hours in a week and less than half of those hours are spent on teaching. Absolutely. Probably 10% of my time I would probably give over to teaching at the moment because we're trying to do and fight so many other things to support children and teachers. Well, we joked at the news when it said that teachers are on average working 12-hour days. You're like, I'd love a 12-hour day. That'd be <laughs> nice. And it, it is, I just think this is why teachers are leaving the profession is that it's not because they don't want to teach. They love teaching and they want to be there, but it's really hard to balance it. And I think that it's just, it's it's become this norm that we expect teachers to do more and then that 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 should have been a one off that they did that more but then that more doing more becomes the normal yeah. and then they add in an extra thing and that was just going to be just for that term whilst that teacher was off and then it but then that's become the norm to do that much and then and, and it it seemed to be a vicious, vicious thing that teachers just do more and more and more and more and more and forget to look after themselves and that it it, it is perfectly acceptable to say no and put yourself first but it's really really hard to do so but it's finding that thing that kind of balances it out like you you row um 
quite a lot and and I imagine getting out on that water is quite peaceful and calm but it's it's quite stressful to kind of get out and and find that time but actually is it is it worth it it's kind of reward versus kind of making yourself get up early and doing it on a day off definitely no definitely and I think the other thing is because I row uh I gig row um and so there's six people and a, uh, the six rowers and a cox and a boat. And if I don't get there, there is then a rower missing. And that can make it really, really tough on the crew. And it can make it hard for the crew to go out, especially in Cornish um, tides and uh, and waves and things. So there's, a, there's that. I can't let the team down because if I don't go, they're all not going to get out. Um, so it makes me have to do it even if I've had a bad day and I'm really tired and I really don't want to so I think that having some sort of thing which is sort of a team base and that other people are relying on you makes you and forces you get out and then you know we see if suddenly you see a kingfisher fly by or, or, or something like that it makes it really worth it or I've had occasions where like dolphins have popped up next to the boat which is brilliant. I have um, a, a, I mean everyone has a park run which actually you recommended to me yeah. back when I didn't have broken feet and I could run um <laughs> but I my neighbor across the road is a teacher and was into park run so he used to get up knock on my door I would drop my child to their house and his kids would look after mine and we would go and do the park run on a Saturday morning and actually that was really nice it got you up it was out and early and then again you can enjoy the rest of the day having had that moment to de-stress um, but the, uh, we did bump into some students that we taught there. Um, so I always make sure I start after my students so that they don't <laughs> overtake me and I don't have that embarrassment. It's a good job it's not a lap thing, isn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah it was, um, there were definitely some moments where I was like, I'm just, they waved at me and I'm like, yeah, I'm going back that way. Um, but it is, it is finding that thing that's going to be important to you for you to have a release that you can you've got to find a way to forget about work and it's really really difficult but having that balance and and not feeling guilty for doing it and giving your time to it and not feeling guilty for putting yourself first because it's very especially as a parent it's quite easy to be like got to look after the kids make sure they're alive then I've got to give everything you to my job sure your kids are alive. I like mate I, I try really hard for that and then the, you're last you're bottom of the list oh, and yeah. and it is and same as like I do have lovely teaching friends that we kind of try and give each other a call on the on the drive home on a Friday and check in and see how each other's week's gone. And it's and it's nice having that teacher community and finding other teachers, even at other schools that you can kind of speak to and know that you're not alone and know that like kind of it is normal It's normalizing this. But other people outside of teaching don't understand that this is normal. Yeah. We're not off having our jollies for 14 weeks a year. We genuinely are working so hard and so many hours to deserve those times. And they're really important to refresh. And going back to if you can find some like communities where there are teachers in your area um, from other schools and they've got, you know, you, if you say, oh, my God, I've just had the moderator in and they've said this. And, yeah. and being able to talk to people um, from other schools, I think, is really useful as well. We have an art network. Um, there's lots around the country. Ours um, is specifically for the East Anglian art teachers. But every now and then, I think it's like once a month, we have a meetup where you can go and attend. 
we generally do some kind of arty technique where we actually have time to create something ourselves but basically it's just a bit of a chat a bit of a catch-up but actually we've learned a technique as well that we can take back to the classroom and and that's really nice in itself because it's a really relaxed thing you can attend if you want to you don't have to attend there's no cost um, but it's just a really nice place to go and meet other people, hear about what other people are doing and have that support network. I think it's good as well to share like with the um, perhaps schools to have support networks as well. And like the mats and things like that. Um, our school is in a mat, but there's not many of the other mat schools around us. But we're now starting to forge those relationships and friendships with schools that are close to us but in a different mat and just being able to and to hear that they're having similar issues to us and it's not just us by ourselves um that's always reassuring as well uh, and good for well-being I think you know just hearing that you're not the only one who's got concerns about that that actually another music teacher in another school and I think that's that's true as well in senior leadership if you're in leadership you should find other leaders and and go visit other schools see what other schools are doing I think I think it's 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 quick isn't it to cut out the things that take extra time but like for me CPD is really important and I feel like the more CPD I do the better teacher I become the more efficient I become and therefore it's going to benefit my teaching but it'd be very easy for me to go I'm not going to do that course because that's in the evening I'm not going to do that course at the weekend because that's but actually that's the bit that makes me a better teacher and makes my teaching better so it's kind of finding the balance with it that's partly why I'm doing my my, my apprenticeship because I have to uh, log six hours off the job I do that anyway so I might as well count it towards something um but I find it really interesting kind of researching and understanding and and making my work life better in terms of what I'm delivering and what I'm doing and how I'm tweaking it like everything that I do is to make benefit the kids but to make my life easier when I teach yeah I don't don't think I told you I'm doing my MPQH you are yeah Yeah. exciting times and I'm really excited so I've just started that and we're having seminars with other senior leaders and and that's it's having that network to talk to people and we've got a face-to-face day in in April which I'm really excited about and there'll be coffee and people and sandwiches and, and we've forgotten that with COVID. I did not mm. have mine when I did my previous course because uh the day that we were meant to have our face-to-face day tube strikes or train strikes so ours did not happen but hopefully yours will I'm, yeah, I'm really gutted that mine well, didn't we don't happen. have many trains in Cornwall so we no you're everywhere. well just yeah. the, it's quite if that one strikes you're in trouble yeah (laughs) (laughs) but there's also the other aspect of making sure you look after yourself this is a lecture that I give my uh trainee teachers I'm like do you listen to it yourself I do uh get your flu jab (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) if you're if you're a school leader like get your get your get the nurses in and get them all done because in theory well the cost of of getting uh, a flu jab versus the cover surely it's got to be worth it and then also eat your body weight in garlic and ginger and drink Not lots chocolate. of orange juice chocolate on the side that's but they're the thing <laughs> my, like literally my trainer's like you prior to breaking everything and going off sex she was like you're never sick you need more milk <laughs> need <laughs> i need to like work on my balance yeah but yeah but generally i don't go off because of colds and things because i eat healthy and I think that's the thing as well the more tired it's that cycle the more tired you become the worse you eat the more you eat rubbish 
and actually you've got to look after yourself you're not exercising physically tired so you're not sleeping you're binge watching telly you're watching on your phone so you're not sleeping as well it's it's you have to put yourself first and look after yourself and it's the little things creating those little habits that are going to put you in a better place to not be to the point where you get to the holidays and you sleep for a week and then you've got to go again you you want to be able to be in a point where you get to the holidays and you actually have energy and can enjoy your life because you deserve to be able to enjoy your free time as well yeah. it shouldn't be Don't all about, about work it. and not feel guilty um <laughs> she says typing her own same thing um but yeah i managed to hold another objective during the news <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it is a work-life balance but you've you've got to work out what fits within your schedule what is okay without making a negative impact on your life if it is having a negative impact on your life you need to address it you need to talk to your senior leaders if you're a senior leader you need to talk to people higher up you need to be able to talk to other people and find out how to correct the balance because it shouldn't be that we're burning ourselves out and leaving education education is the best job in the world and we love it and granted as our mother retired at 73 we would like to leave teaching before then um although as we just said at some coming up to 75 she's just applied to become an exam invigilator she's going <laughs> back into schools but she's doing it because she enjoys it and she's doing it because it's like it's manageable for her and it's a life balance for her but yeah. how many of how many of her grandchildren does she teach lessons to on line oh yes she all does the time yeah but my son does chocolate button maths after school uh, i mean i would get into maths if i got chocolate button maths but um <laughs> i think it is it's important that you have the balance and that's the longevity of it i mean she, she almost left teaching when she had to learn to do online teaching in covid <laughs> at the age of 70 like that was tough and you got to throw that i oh, just but i think it is it, and then we, she taught me how to and do, then it. She you how to do it. But it, it's about adapting. We are good at adapting, but we need to adapt in a way that is making our lives better and easier, and not not keeping consuming more. And it is, and that's the thing with the pressure of this idea that these uh, pay improvements coming out of school budgets. That's going to mean school cuts. That's going to mean more workload for everybody else. And it, and that's why. We stand for ourselves as teachers and that and know that what we're doing is really important, but we as people are really important as well. And we need to work as a team and make sure that we're doing the things in our home lives as well as our work lives to make sure that we've got that balance and we're doing it well. Absolutely. You need to do it for yourself and for your students taking a bit of time for you doing things for you makes you a better teacher now we just need to remember to do it (laughs) um highly recommend the freezing cold sea dip oh yeah um uh next that's no wetsuits by the way no yeah no No everyone on the beach bikini there was yeah you're allowed to wear something but no wetsuits it was cold but it was enjoyable. It really cleared the if mind. If you and... can find somewhere where you can walk out and there's a cafe. Yes. That's, yeah. It's, it's again, as a teacher, it's all about preparation. Yes. Having the dry robe or beach towel when you get out, having somewhere to coffee have a nice a flask, coffee or hot chocolate to warm yeah, yourself up afterwards. Definitely. It's it's preparation 
and and enjoying life, doing things that make you feel happy. And I'm not sure your face looked very happy. I didn't at the time. <laughs> I was more happy when I got out than when I went in. But I feel happy now. I can still feel I'm still slightly shaking. <laughs> from the cold I don't know whether I've quite warmed up to the oh, core. Your core temperature's gone my core temperature isn't quite there yet but Hannah, the you most... really dipped your shoulders under I swam <laughs> out to the point back. I did a little paddle but on the most part I do feel be- I feel better for it yeah I feel like I didn't so awake yeah exactly I feel healthy I feel more awake we we prepped we cooked a lovely home-cooked meal this yes. morning so we've got that because oh, we knew we ready to go well, so that yeah this is, this is so, in the oven right now so we're not feeling too tired to do that and we're getting we're going to definitely get a good night's sleep after that that's for sure maybe to help balance our as in your mind work-life balance more you need to move to Cornwall <laughs> so, and then like I could cook one night you could cook the next night yeah and we could force each other to go swimming. the only thing is you day. have like six foot rugby children that would eat five times the amount of what I would cook in a week that doesn't help my work-life balance either my shopping bill with those two <laughs> and that's the thing it's it is really hard to to do it all and prioritize yourself um and but you've got to not feel guilty doing it. And it's, if, if you, and again, it's for your family and your children. If you're mm. looking after yourself, then everything else will become easier. One thing that my oldest has just gone to university, and that was really, really tough as well. But he's not too far away, actually. He's in Exeter. Um, and that forces me, if I want to, sometimes I go up and see him play rugby. And that again, that's forcing me to take like five or six hours out of teaching to be able to go and watch that. Although the last time my husband drove and I sat in the back marking coursework on my laptop and we drove up to Exeter and then back again and I was really cramped up because my other son's huge as well. So he was in the front seat. This is, I'm getting there roundabout. Anyway, so and then the next morning, because I'd been marking on my laptop at this really funny angle, I literally couldn't get out of bed because I'd done my back in. (laughs) It's the thing we put ourselves through it, but it's and I I was going to say it wasn't on, even coursework for my it subject was, either. I was helping someone else. Out. And uh, that's the thing we all help each other, and we're always. I feel like I feel as a teacher, you're never done. There's never a point where you're like, oh, I've got a free moment. Shall I do just sit here? Shall I do something? It's always like I can do more. I can help people. I can get ahead of the next week. It it but it, then there'll be something else. It's it's really difficult to kind of manage it all and work it out but even like things like putting yourself I've seen the productivity timers where you put them on and you're like right I'm going to mark for this amount of time that's all I'm going to mark when that goes off I am going home and do you do that or do you say I'll just do one more I I generally since I've done that I get done in the time and it has helped me work quicker and focus for that small amount of time and so you can put um I haven't done this, but I've heard of things. You can put apps on your phone or you can, there's like a cage that you can buy with a number that you code, you can put it in, it will, and you put it in and it basically won't unlock for an hour. So you're not allowed to get to it. <laughs> like, I will. No, 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 I wish. <laughs> <laughs> my phone, so I'm not distracted. So I get uh, my marking yeah. done. Um, so it very much depends on kind of working out the best way to be most efficient so that you're not and and that's the thing it's very easy to go down a rabbit hole and get completely lost and give more of your time to teaching than necessarily teaching deserves and not feel guilty about it but actually stopping yourself and being like no that's the that's the time that's my cut off I go home now if it's not done it's not done um and 
keep making sure you have that balance whether it be that you leave I quite often have a day where I leave everything at school I don't even bring home my planner so I'm not even tempted to look so that I can have a full switch off that night it's quite nice one of my colleagues uh Senko colleagues has sort of said to me I'm actually taking she's actually taken her um gmail account which is her school email account she's taken it off her phone for the easter holidays but then she quickly said however if you need anything i'm on text (laughs) (laughs) but that is it i i turned off all my notifications so i don't get any notifications except for text so none of my other apps get send me notifications but you can still check them but i can still check them but it means that i don't check them i do get anxiety when i feel like oh i haven't checked it for a while and I get anxiety before I open it. But then generally I look at it and I'm like, oh, okay, I haven't missed anything. That anxiety was over nothing. My difficulty with that is social worker might try and get hold of me. or Yeah. And it, it is like we give our lives to this job because we love it and we want to do best for these children. But it's also really important that we do our best for ourselves yeah. and our families as well. Yeah, we do better for the children if we look after ourselves, don't we? So on that note, I'm going to wish you all a lovely Easter, Easter holidays Nearly and relax. Day. Go get in some cold water, add some ice to it if in a bucket in the garden if you have to, if you're not near the coast. Be careful how you get into the bucket. <laughs> Don't break anything in the process of your well-being no. is my top tip. Um, but do enjoy your holidays and I hope you have a lovely Easter. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading! You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.